podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you looking for the perfect way to take your brand to the next level? Want to reach a dedicated, engaged audience that's all ears? With Audiohook.com, you can do just that. Audiohook is the premier podcast advertising platform, connecting advertisers with some of the best podcasts in the world. Audiohook uses advanced targeting techniques to ensure your message reaches the right ears at the right time. With detailed analytics, you'll be able to track your campaign's performance and optimize your strategy for maximum impact. Plus, their team of experts are there every step of the way, providing guidance and support to make your campaign a success. So, whether you're a startup, a small business owner, or a marketing pro, Audiohook is your one-stop shop for podcast advertising success. Head over to audiohook.com to start your journey today. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are previewing the undefeated matchup between the TCU Horn Frogs and the Kansas Jayhawks, just like we drew it up in the preseason, right? Um, to help me do that, coming back like she has come on the podcast multiple times, it is Melissa Trebosser, now of Frogs Today, joining me to preview TCU this weird season that we've seen already and then trying to figure out what to expect coming up on Saturday. But Melissa, how are you doing today? Andy, I just, before we do anything, I just have to say that in watching the unfolding of this Kansas season, no one has been on my mind more than you. Um, (laughs) All like I even gave you a shout out in one of my articles, Um, all of the, uh, the eternal optimist Kansas fan that you were every year for so long thinking that would be the year they were going to turn the corner and you never gave up and your loyalty has been rewarded with um, not just an awesome start to the season, but like a dang good football team too. So I'm super happy for you. I'm terrified for this weekend, Um, but also I had really low expectations going into this season too. So this is, like, I think that's the weirdest win. part, right? Like, I, I think the lesson that I'm learning from this year is, one, I need to start my own website yearly so that way the year goes really well. Um, and then, two, I need to start making grand pronouncements about Kansas football a lot more often because, you know, my 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 call about Texas getting upset by Kansas again worked out really well. You know, I talked about them going to a bowl game and they start out 5-0. and So I just – I need to go crazy for next year. Next year we're going to have a national championship. I'll, I'll just say it now. That way – you know, if I'm wrong, at least I shot high. So yeah, at least at least at least you swung big. You know, <laughs> so you, Aaron judged it. Yeah, it's like it's like how do I follow up this year's bold prediction with one that's even more bold, other than calling them going to the college football playoff? Because I mean, I, I've I've already kind of gone there, and they went higher than I thought they were going to at this. Like, you know, I, I was looking over the schedule and thinking if they are going to you know, get a bowl game, there's a very good chance they would need to start five and one in order to do that because the schedule is very, very backloaded. 
But or at least you thought it was. Well, right. Yeah, I thought it was backloaded. But you know, I mean, next week sounds like it's going to be a fairly easy game, from what I understand. You know, if if Kansas State and TCU can can uh, deal with Oklahoma that well, then I'm sure Kansas will have no problem either. I mean, you know, we we can talk about this too, but man, uh, how unexcited is the world for the Red River Showdown compared to how excited people are for TCU Kansas this week? I know it's awesome. Like of like, all of all weekends to line up, this couldn't be better. Yeah, like all all the memes that have been going around, right? Talking about, um, you know, there's one matchup in the Big Twelve that is between two unranked teams, and it's Oklahoma and Texas, and the one matchup between two ranked teams is Kansas and TCU. Just like everybody thought it was going to be. No, it was great to have game day announced they would come to Lawrence, especially after we pushed for it so hard when it was, you know, Kansas and Duke both undefeated. Um, I guess they knew that we were going to get to here, and so they were holding out for, you know, the better matchup, the better the better game, and the better storyline. So I guess all is forgiven at this point. But let's go ahead and jump in because TCU, I think, has had just the surprising season as the Jayhawks had. Because Oh, for sure. Like, like yeah. I, I, know that, I know that there's a lot of people that thought that TCU – you know, had an opportunity that, that if Max Duggan could get it together and the offense could, could kind of pull it together, you know, that, that this is a, this was a possibility, maybe not to this degree, but at least a good competent offense and a decent defense, much better than what last year's was. Um, but Sonny Dykes in his first year has done something incredible here. Now, is it, how much of this is, you know, the, the talent on the team progressing and getting to where they are and how much of it is the new direction that Sonny Dykes has brought to the program? I mean, I think I'd be remiss not to give Sonny Dykes a ton of credit. And, um, you know, like, so I feel like I have to caveat every conversation I have about TCU's improvement with if Gary Patterson hadn't done what he'd done for the last two and a half decades, if he hadn't, you know, earned a statue, et cetera, et cetera, then TCU wouldn't even be in a position to take advantage of what Sonny Dykes is building right now. And so obviously we owe so much to Gary Patterson. That being said, um, you know, like anything, I think that the time for change comes and it's clear that there needed to be not just a coaching change, but a personality change. Uh, the talent has been there. TCU's recruited at a really high level for the last several years. Um, if you go back to, to some of their highest rated recruits in history have come just in the last three or four years and they've had nothing to show for it. Um, you know, not making a, becoming eligible for one bowl game they weren't able to play in because of COVID, but otherwise not having played in a bowl game since I think 2018, God bless the cheese bowl. And so what Sonny Dykes has done is, is A, is just, like, I don't want to sound like a teenager here, but he's just changed the vibe around the program. Um, it is a completely different feeling in practice. It's a completely different feeling in the team room, on the sidelines, everywhere. Like, he understands how to get the best out of these kids. Um, the other thing is, is he's just a really, really good offensive coach. And Joe Gillespie um, probably deserves more credit for just being a really, really good defensive coach when it comes to discovering what his players do well and letting them do that. Um, Marcel Brooks, who is one of the most dynamic human beings on the planet, couldn't get on the field for Gary Patterson and was actually like a third string wide receiver last year. Well, he got hurt, unfortunately, in camp, but he had a great quote. He played a little bit on Saturday, had a great quote today at, at media uh, availability. He's just like, Joe Gillespie is, is taking me away from having to think too much. Like, it's just go out there and react. And then Dykes obviously looks at the talent on offense. Max Duggan's improvement, as you mentioned, has been unbelievable. He and Garrett, uh, Garrett Riley just understand offense and understand how to get to the ball to the guys that need to have the ball in a position where they can do something with it. And so I think between the personality change, the freedom, the the looseness, and just how much these guys like each other, the combination of having really great coaching, which 
has existed at TCU for, you know, the better part of 30 years, but also having a guy who understands this generation of players and understands the talent that they possess and how to unlock it. Yeah, I was to say, I thought the biggest issue for, for TCU the last few years wasn't necessarily the, the talent. And I mean, you look at, you know, this year versus last year, it's not like they they brought in a whole bunch of brand new players that are super talented that are taking spots. It's a, it's a lot of the same guys that same were here guys, last year yeah. that just couldn't yeah. get anything going for whatever reason. And I remember you and I had a conversation probably about three or four years ago about how, you know, it's Gary Patterson's defense and how it, you know, it's been the same defense for so long and that there was a question about whether it was you know, not adapting enough to the way that football is played now. And I think that's exactly what we saw, um, you know, as as those years kind of went on. So, yeah, it's it's been a little weird to kind of see how well TCU has been able to, to you know, do an about face. And, and you always worry when you bring in a new coach about how long it's going to take for the personnel, you know, and like the coaching staff to get on the same page with all the players and then get you know, something actually effective on the field. But, you know, there are definitely times where it just clicks right away. And it, it seems like this is one of those times. I do have to ask, though, because coming out of camp, Chandler Morris was named as the starter. Um, you know, we almost got to a point, if, if Chandler Morris doesn't get hurt, we may not be seeing this sort of renaissance for Max Duggan and the entire TCU offense. So how how big of it, like, how big a deal is it that Max Duggan is the starter right now? Do you think that they would have had these same sort of results with Chandler Morris, or are they different enough quarterbacks that it would have been difficult to do the same sort of thing? You know, it's 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 a it's a great question. It's something that that I've talked about a lot with kind of my TC fandom brain trust um, over the last several weeks. Is uh, Chandler Morris legitimately earned the job out of camp? He was the more impressive quarterback, and what he ha- possesses that Max Duggan to this point had not is accuracy. Um, you know, Morris does a great job of not just making the right read, but putting the ball where it needs to be in that read. Max has struggled with accuracy over the years. If you've watched him play football, you think, oh, that kid's a gamer. He's got it, all the intangibles. He's a leader. He's tough. But when it came to actually throwing the football, he really, really struggled, especially on the deep ball. And it was an offense that was predicated on, you know, passes behind the line of scrimmage or passes 40 yards down the field. Well, I don't know, you know, how much of this get you give credit directly to Max for the work that he's obviously put in. The game has finally slowed down for him in a way that I think you normally expect to see it earlier in a kid's career when he's got 30, almost 30 career starts coming into the season. But for whatever reason, it's clicking. And I think he's such a perfect fit in this offense in a way that we didn't expect. It also does help. And I would be remiss not to show it, not to say it, that, Good God, TCU's played four very bad teams. Um, I think we all thought Oklahoma would be a better football team, and they've looked impressive at times. But at the end of the day, um, that secondary was not great, and there were free releases all over the field. And it's a lot easier to hit a guy when there's not someone within 20 yards right. of him, you know, from an open perspective. And so, you know, you can only you can only do what you do against the guys that you're playing. And credit to Max Duggan as he has taken advantage of every soft spot that exists from opposing defenses. Um, but he's also just like, man, like I think back to the Terrell Owens doing sit-ups in his driveway talking about Tony Romo. Like, that's my quarterback, man. Like, <laughs> like that's how these guys feel about Max Duggan. I don't think anybody was upset that he didn't win the starting job out of camp, but there is not a player on that field that doesn't give just a little bit extra for Max Duggan. Um, that's just the kind of leader he is. Um, and, I mean, I would say universally – 
TCU fans could not be happier. I mean, I'm sure it's the same way you guys feel about Jalen Daniels. Oh, yeah, he's not sure. an easier kid to root for in the world than Max Duggan. Um, he's a kid who a year ago we didn't think would ever play football again. I mean, everyone forgets, like, he had a heart procedure. Like, yeah. we thought he was done. And now he comes back, and, and not only is he playing really well, he's lights out. Like, he's a week away. Like, throw for 300 yards this weekend. You're going to start hearing him in the Heisman conversation, too. Like, it's it's unbelievable. So I think, you know, I, I want to see, you know, obviously the tests are getting a lot tougher. Um, you know, Kansas does obviously have some weaknesses when it comes to the passing game. They're giving up some yardage. But at the same time, this is going to be the best defense that he's played. If the offensive line shows up like it did on Saturday, I think Max has a chance to be really, really successful. But what he's been doing with his arm and with his legs, taking advantage of the amazing out of talent that he's got at wide receiver, um, it's been really, really fun to watch. And I'm just happy for the kid. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I think you kind of – took the point that I was going to make. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you actually agree with me without even knowing what I was going to say. Um, it, it definitely seemed like, you know, th- there is some potential question about, you know, is his increased accuracy just because he has, you know, such a huge target that he can throw to and the receivers can, can adjust or, you know, is it actually like, you know, laser lasering passes into tight windows and things like that. I don't think I've seen that yet from Max this, this year, but I also don't think he's really had an opportunity to do it because the defenses have not been very good at all. I'll tell you this in the moments that he's needed to make a throw with the exception of one just really questionable drive against Oklahoma where it was like three and out and he just missed everything by a mile. And then a couple of moments in the second half against SMU, we've seen him make some throws this year that I've never seen him make before. Um, and like, I've seen him throw, like there was a game at Iowa State a few years ago where he had a wide open, no one within 10 yards of him guy in the end zone. And it was a tight end. I think I think it was pro well. It's like a six, five guy. And he threw it into the fourth row of the stands. And so, you know, those, those issues have existed for, for a while. And I think at least right now I can confidently say he's making the throws he's supposed to make again, as the competition ramps up, it'll be more pressure on him to do so. But I've seen him laser some balls in that I did not think he was capable of doing he's had some passes in the red zone in tight windows you know he hit Jared Wiley on a beautiful ball that almost got Jared Wiley killed I mean like that like he is he is making he is making plays that I didn't know he was capable of making can he continue to do so against better defenses I mean it remains to be seen but I've seen Max Duggan play some really bad teams before and not look this good so I get I am I am going to give him full credit with the understanding and the caveat that there's a lot left to prove. But to this point, like it's hard. He's just playing so confidently, too. Right. And we know how far that can go with a young quarterback. And he's still like he's a, you know, a senior, but he's still a 22 year old kid. So, yeah, it's 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 funny, too, because, you know, a lot of people were saying the same thing about Kansas and their great performance against Tennessee Tech to begin the year. It's like, well, come on, it's just an FCS school. It's like, yeah, but they haven't beat an FCS school by 46 points in over a decade like it, it was a huge deal for them to be able to do that and now we've seen it kind of develop from there you know I, I am curious because it's one it's weird saying you know that going from Oklahoma to Kansas is a step up in competition but it's absolutely the truth this year so um it, you know what a bizarro world we live in right now but the other thing that kind of comes to mind here because you you did mention the offensive line and I definitely think that the offensive line for TCU has been better than I probably expected them to be coming into the year um but I know for a fact that they have not faced a defensive line that's that's built the way that Kansas is, right? It's not about having one guy that's just going to overpower you. It's about having four different guys that all are capable of rushing the passer and then having backups, you know, like two or three levels deep that can all come in and play at about the same level. Kansas has consistently throughout the year worn down the opponent's offensive line 
And so they end up being stronger, having better pass rushes when you get into, you know, halfway through the third quarter, into the fourth quarter. How worried are you about TCU's offensive line going up against a team like that and needing to be able to hold up at the end of the game to allow TCU to potentially go down and get some big scores? It's going to be really interesting because I think that we saw the TCU offense bogged down the first half against Colorado. We saw them bogged down in the second half against SMU because the pocket protection collapsed. Now, what we saw Max do such a good job of against Oklahoma was as soon as he read the pocket, he felt the pressure, he stepped up and he ran. And once you bust out a 60, 70 yard touchdown run, it does tend to soften up that pass rush just a little bit. And so I think that obviously this is the best defensive line that TCU will face. And the TCU offensive line has a lot to prove. Um, their performance Saturday was a marked increase in, in just improvement overall from what we had seen in the previous three games, but they still have a long way to go. And so that was my concern heading into Oklahoma. I thought they'd get a little bit more pressure on the on the quarterback than they did, and that's why I actually picked Oklahoma to win. Um, so, of course, I'll be doing the same thing this week as well. Um, but, but I think Kansas can actually follow through on that threat and that promise, right? And so um, what I expect to see, which we did, like, TC came out throwing the ball all over the field. Like Kendrick Miller didn't touch the ball until late in the first quarter, I think, in the running game. And I was like, where's Kendrick Miller? It'd be nice for him to get a touch. So I'm, I'll be interested to see if kind of the way that they counter that pass rush is, is by maybe going with those delayed handoffs or getting some motion, getting some wide receiver, um, you know, jet sweep type things to try to, to take the timing out of that rush um, in order to gain just a little bit of an advantage there. Because I still don't necessarily trust this TCU offensive line. They're getting better and better every week. And having a really great offensive line coach is a huge difference maker for for this program, but there's still, I don't want to say a lack of talent, but the development saw some catching up to do. And the depth is certainly a concern in that area. And so um, will we see a lot more of Kendra Miller early where we finally get a little bit of Imani Bailey? Um, that'll be what, what I'm going to be watching to see. And if Max can break off one or two of those big runs early, and I mean, it's the same thing that Taylor Martinez did to Oklahoma too, right? Like if you can, if you can get in the quarterback run game and with the way that Max is so effective in that, I think that gives them a fighting chance. Um, but yeah, if this game comes down to the fourth quarter, which is fully what I expect it to do in the most stressful way possible, uh, it's going to be who wins in the trenches. And, and TC saw a lot to prove on both sides of the ball in that regard. Yeah, it, it is going to be interesting because I think TC, the, the team that's the most like TCU, I think, that Kansas plays so far has been Duke. Because Duke has a quarterback who can do a lot of different things, can make some good throws, but is really good at running the ball. And Kansas took that away completely for him in, in terms of the running, which which was interesting because it was probably the worst. Like, Duke threw all over the field. And, you know, Kansas gave up a bunch of yards but came up with some big stops, some some turnovers, some other things that they were able to do to really, you know, disrupt drives. I guess in terms of the way that TCU typically likes to operate, are they a team that likes to, you know, build up a rhythm and try to go on like a 12 or 13 play drive? Or are they ones like or are, are they more looking for for quick hits? I mean, this has been the biggest change between Sonny Dykes and Gary Patterson, other than the fact that we have access to anybody and everybody whenever we want, is that he doesn't care about putting the defense right back on the field. Um, if, if you've watched TCU early on against SMU, early on against Oklahoma, we saw it, it really struggled against Colorado opening game of the season, whatever, but um, if they can hit that one play quick hit, like that's what they're doing. Like this team wants to score. They want to score quickly. They want to get an advantage early. Um, they are throwing it all over the field, first down, early downs. Doesn't matter the situation. They'll run it on third. I mean, like Sonny Dykes and, and Garrett Riley are aggressive as hell in the best possible way. And yeah, I mean, that does put the defense in some disadvantaged situations, which I think we're going to, that Jalen Daniels will be able to take advantage of because they're coming back on the field quite a bit and you've got a quarterback that's that athletic and that tough. Yeah. I mean, that's going to hurt. 
But no, I fully expect the Frogs to come in and, and try to score as early and often as possible and to try to build up any type of lead that they can in order to kind of get a little bit of a cushion heading into that fourth quarter. Because if this is a close game, that that crowd all good and liquored up from game day, I mean, you you do not want to get the folks in Lawrence to, you don't want this to feel like Fog Allen, right? Like right, you right. want to take the crowd out of it as soon as possible. And so um, it's been really interesting to see, you know, some of, some of these deep drops, these deep balls. And when you've got guys like Quentin Johnson and Savion Williams and Darius Davis, who is right now the fastest recorded player in college football at, at, at any level, or maybe even, I think he was faster than any NFL player has run so far this season too. Um, and Tay Barber, who's been unbelievable as well I mean you've got this talent the speed and the size all over the field they are looking to score and score quickly and if that means the defense is back out in a minute put the defense back out in a minute that's their problem yeah no I mean there's a lot there's a lot of great weapons that TCU has it'll be interesting to kind of see how they're able to use all those and how Kansas is going to try to counter those um you know speaking of great great weapons and great lineups you know the the sponsor here on the podcast Homefield Apparel has one of the greatest lineups that you can get. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Yes, Melissa's wearing hers right now, showing it off. Um, you know, they have uh, t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. All of it with wonderful college vintage logos that are just absolutely fantastic. I have way too many of them from schools that I have absolutely no affiliation with just because it looks awesome. I was trying to pick up one of those TCU, uh, you know, fur coat shirts and unfortunately was not able to get one this past week but they have so many great things over there that I guarantee you're going to be able to find a ton of stuff that you want and it's super comfortable I wear it all the time I actually have gone probably about two weeks wearing it you know at least six days out of the week so that's how great the stuff is you're going to want to wear it all the time and if you find yourself in a situation where you can't have some of the logos that are on there, but you still want the comfort of what Homefield Apparel has, they have the new core collection, which is their fantastic, super comfortable merchandise that does not have those logos on it. So you can wear it in whatever setting you need to. If you head on over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHALK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Melissa, I do want to go ahead and switch over to the defense for, for TCU. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all. And you are listening live to the one, the only Tortillas and Takes Podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. And we're back. I am here with Melissa Treeblosser of Frogs Today. We are previewing this fantastic game day matchup between the TCU Horned Frogs and the Kansas Jayhawks. And I'm it's still surreal to be saying that. But, Melissa, looking at this TCU defense, because I think it's fair to say that Kansas brings a lot on offense that TCU has not had an opportunity to see yet. You know, Oklahoma likes to try to run. They like, you know, Dylan Gabriel is supposedly fairly mobile, but honestly, I don't know he's anywhere near as mobile as a guy like Jalen Daniels. Um, how, like, what's the thing about the Kansas offense that worries you the most coming into this game? definitely the quarterback run game. Um, you know, I think that that's been kind of TC's kryptonite for several years. And, you know, you watch what, what Jalen Daniels has done. You watch what Taylor Martinez has done. You know, you see what some of these quarterbacks are doing. You're thinking, Oh, like you gotta be ready for that. Um, and Ad- I think Adrian like, Martinez, but, but yes, Adrian, I knew you were talking I about. Calling him yeah. Taylor. Yeah. Adrian, I think I did that twice now. 
Adrian Martinez, sorry, one of the Martinez's yeah. um, from from that used to play at Nebraska, right? Um, so yeah, so I, I think that that's you know that's going to be a huge test, and I want to see what Joe Gillespie's defense does against the quarterback one game because, like you said, like nobody's really tried to test it the way that Kansas is going to be able to test it so far. Um, the linebacker play has been a lot better than we thought. Um, I've been really really impressed with D Winters. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been around forever. Um, who's who's put up decent stats, but but really is is kind of taken over the alpha as far as being the the leader on that defense. Um, and and he can really play, like he he can just flat out play. He's really instinctive, um, and and he can run really well too. So um, between him, Johnny Hodges has been really really good. He's more athletic than you think, but you know he's still like that's a that's a tough matchup. And then um, to me, the biggest difference is going to be is Marcel Brooks on the field in a, a significant role. Um, there's not a lot of depth at that linebacker position. Brooks made his first appearance of the season last week. If he he can play significant stats. He is a freak athlete. I mean, this is a, a former five-star recruit, um, a kid who went to Louisiana, who transferred to TCU. Um, like I said, couldn't get on the field defensively in Gary Patterson's system, but was playing wide receiver and didn't do a whole lot. But when he did get the ball in his hands, it's just he just makes these circus catches. He's he's ridiculous. Um, and then Shadrach Banks is another guy played some wide receiver at Texas A&M, another former five-star guy that, that can line up at linebacker. Those are the two guys that if anybody's going to have success, you know, kind of containing Jalen Daniels, they're probably going to come down a lot to them. Um, for me, it's really going to come down to the fact that, that TCU is not pressuring the quarterback. Um, they're not getting in the backfield enough. They're not creating enough sacks. They're not creating enough havoc back there. Um, so I, I think they're going to have to put pressure on, on Jalen Daniels. You Obviously, you need to contain him if you can keep him in the pocket. Um, you know, he's been really, really good throwing the football, but his strength is still when he's he's on the move. Um, you know, he wants to create scramble kind of him and Max Duggan are kind of similar in that way. They're, they're just as good outside of the pocket, if not better playing playground football than they are making their first or second read. And so um, it, it's, you know, it's one of those situations where if this becomes a quarterback running game, um, it's going to be really interesting to see which one holds up better because both of those guys are capable for going for 200 yards and three scores at any given moment. Um, and, you know, I think with the home field advantage behind him, Jalen Daniels will obviously have a slight advantage there. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. I think the, the most underrated, you know, part of Jalen Daniels' game is the, the the field vision that he has, the ability to find a guy who is going to, you know, a a pocket in the defense or a, a hole somewhere. Um, Kansas does a lot to make sure that he does not have to feel very much pressure. And, you know, they've only given up two sacks, I think, on the entire season mm-hmm. so far, which is absolutely ridiculous when, when you're thinking about it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, they have the same five linemen that have been playing pretty much all the time, but they also help out a lot with running back chips, with, you know, bringing in a, a, a tight end blocker. Jared Casey has been the lead guy on I, on countless number of blocks where he is just out in the open field and blowing guys up on his way down the field to, you know, kind of escort whoever it is that's trying to get the big gain. So I'll be interested to see how, how much TCU is able to get pressure on Daniels because Daniels has shown the ability, especially in that game against Duke, to sit back in the pocket, survey the field, find an open guy. And, of course, if you have time, it's it's impossible to cover, you know, completely forever uh, when you have a quarterback that can throw the way that Daniels does. He likes to go over the top a lot, so I'll be interested to see how well TCU is able to take away some of those deep routes. Grimm and, and Arnold have both been really good at, you know, getting to a position where Jalen can hit them in stride and can get them the ball so that they can get big gains. I will be very interested as well to see how well TCU can handle the misdirection that, that Kansas has because, like, we, we saw it against Iowa State, you know, where they lined up both Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels on the field 
and Daniels handed off to Bean, and then Bean rolled out, pretended like he was going to run it into the flat, and instead threw it to the running back. So, like, they have a lot of different things that they can try to do. Um, in terms of TCU's coverage, um, how how good are those defensive backs? Because I think that's usually one of the, the difficult spots for most Big 12 defenses is to have guys – is, is to have guys that can actually, you know, cover for a significant amount of time. So how how worried are you about those TCU defensive backs, or how good have they been this year? You know, I think for the most part, the reviews have been pretty positive. Um, they've dealt with some injuries in the defensive backfield, but, you know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson is a pretty known quantity at this point. He's gotten victimized a couple of times for some big plays, um, but he played his best game of the season against the best five receivers TCU has seen because they would do about Oklahoma – Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss are still pretty elite talent out there. And I thought Travis Hodges Tomlinson was excellent. Um, Rasheed Rice was very physical with them and he was able to draw a couple flags. Uh, two of the three of them were questionable, but like I wasn't going to complain about the calls. Um, but against uh, Oklahoma, I think he did a really nice job of matching that physicality without getting flagged for it. Um, the, on the other side, Josh Newton has been unbelievable. Uh, you know, he, he has a chance to put together one of the best, um, you know, seasons by a TC cornerback in a long time. Is is doesn't have necessarily the huge interception numbers, um, but he is big. He's, you know, he's a legit six foot. He's super physical. He runs really, really well. And he is fearless. Um, you know, he's a transfer from ULM. You don't necessarily have high hopes for him. But that's a kid who um, he's not afraid to be matched up with the best player on the field. Um, he can he can run with them. He stays with them. He's really fundamentally sound. And he's just a big physical guy that really, really understands Joe Gillespie's system and seems to be in the right place at the right time. Um, transfer from Colorado at safety. Mark Perry's been really, really great as well. I've been super impressed with him. He's a great leader. Um, and then behind him, Abe Kamara um, is, again, like he's another one of the, the surprises. Um, Bug Clark was in line to be the starter. He got dinged up. He's back now playing. But Abe Kamara has done an incredible job um, in, in Bug Clark's absence and, and is again, just really looked like a kind of a star in the making. And so, um, you're going to give up big plays. I mean, the three, three, five is built to not give up big plays, but it's when you're playing great competition, it's going to happen. Um, what TCU's done is a really good job of is really, really locking down in the red zone. And so, um, I think that, you know, it's that bend don't break philosophy, um, you know, make teams take time off the clock. And from what I understand too, high Shaw might be out. And if he's out, um, I think that changes the running game a little bit as well. And so maybe that gives them an opportunity to focus a little bit more, um, you know, in the passing game and, and be a little bit more locked in as far as with the misdirection and different types of yeah, things. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it necessarily changes that much, unfortunately, for TCU, because while Highshaw is out, he's out for an extended period of time. We're not really sure. I, I heard that he has another hip injury that's probably going to take a while for him to actually come all the way back from it. But it is definitely one of those things where, you know, Kansas started the year with four running backs that all theoretically were going to have significant time and had settled in on Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw as like the two main guys. But Seven Morrison has made some pretty big plays. He was returning punts last week, um, you know, and then and then Kai Thomas has been banged up and a little bit injured, which is why he hasn't been in. But those two guys are expected to play against TCU and they both bring you know, something that's more in line with what Daniel Hyshaw brings than with what Devin Neal brings. So there's still going to be kind of that little bit of a difference. And then you add in the quarterback running the ball as well. Um, I think there's still going to be a lot in the running game that they're going to have to deal with. And I, I would not rule out the possibility of having, you know, three running backs on the field with just two guys out wide. Um, like Kansas still has a lot of stuff that they can do. Um, looking at this game, though, like – I keep coming back to because of how well Andy Kotelnicki has shown to be able to mix stuff up and kind of do, you know, whatever it is that he really wants to do and everything you've been talking about with TCU. Like I have a 
a hard time not pointing to like the key matchup being the the actual you know offensive coaches in terms of how they're deciding how to make you know what plays they're calling and obviously the players still have to go out and execute but I I can't help but shake the feeling that, that a lot of this game is going to come down to who is able to read the opposing defense well enough and get the right play calls in. Yeah, no, I think for sure. Um, and, you know, like I feel really confident. I've been just so um, just blown away by Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes, just their understanding of the talent that they have and the way that they're calling games. Um, I, there have been so many times over the last several years where I've been like, what are they thinking offensively? Like, hunting from the opponent's 40 or it's third and one and we run a double reverse or a halfback pass. And I just think that, that the understanding of what these players do well is so deeply ingrained in these offensive coaches. Um, and, and Malcolm Kelly is such a great mind. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball, not just with the players, but with the coaches as well. And so um, I, I am certainly more confident um, offensively than I am defensively. And that's not a knock on Joe Gillespie whatsoever. It's, it's just that there's going to take some time to get, get the right guys in for that system. And until the pass rush is show some teeth, you know, that defense is going to have its moments, both good and bad. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that obviously we've seen pretty incredible things out of Kansas as well, offensively, um, but if it becomes a shootout, you know, I, I think TC's chances are a lot better in a shootout than they are in a 21-17 game. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing about Kansas. I don't think that Kansas likes to play those low-scoring games if they can help it. I, I will also say the way that the rules are set up right now, it's it's skewed towards making it better for offenses and making it easier for them to kind of do what they want to do. So I think it's going to be really hard moving forward for a lot of teams to have, you know, super – fantastic defenses because the game is just set up to allow for a lot of scoring. So um, I don't know that that's necessarily a knock. That's just kind of the way it is. And that's why, you know, the big 12 has kind of been on the forefront of that for years. And now that the sec is starting to do it now, all of a sudden, you know, defense doesn't matter anymore. So it doesn't matter that the big 12 has great defenses. So, but we won't get off on that tangent because we could be here for an hour talking about that. So instead um, looking at this game, what do you think the key matchup is going to be? I mean, I think it comes down to, to like, I'm going to cop out here, but it's both quarterbacks. I mean, these guys both are, have been kind of turnover prone in their career, just being a bad decision-making kind of and for different reasons, you know, I think, but, but it's going to come down to which one of them protects the football better. It's, it's going to come down to, to who makes a big play on special teams. It's going to come down to, you know, which quarterback has that one signature moment that, that the other one can't match. And, and I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to, you know, we're both talking like this is going to be a high scoring game. And so is it going to be, of course, the it'll be like a seven, six game, right? Of course we've done this before, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's the Wiley veteran Max Duggan, who's been playing, you know, completely, you know, over his skis for the last four games, or is it Jalen Daniels, the, the young gun who's kind of come out of nowhere to put himself in the Heisman conversation. I mean, both these guys have so much to prove um, to themselves and to the nation. And you're going to have all eyes on Lawrence on Saturday. And so which one, or maybe both of them really see the moment, but which team is it that makes them make the mistake that can turn the game around. And so uh, this is, this is Max versus Jalen, I think in a lot of ways. And again, who would have thought that a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, I know you're looking at probably the two best quarterbacks in the big 12 right now, which was, you know, what everybody thought was going to happen. So I mean, let's, let's give Spencer, Spencer Sanders his flowers. He's been exceptional this season, but nobody cares because of the fact that Kansas is good, which I think is so funny. It's awesome. No, I mean, and and I think Adrian Martinez might have something to say about that, but he hasn't been consistent enough, I don't think, yet at this point. So, Uh, But no, so it's, you know, 
for me, I, I think the thing that it really comes down to is which defensive line is going to be able to get pressure. Or I should say, is Kansas going to be able to get pressure late in the game? Because I, I don't know. Like, I think that TCU will hold up for a while. The real question is we get to the, you know, halfway through the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter. If Kansas starts to get that pressure and starts to make it so that Duggan has to make quicker, you know, quicker reads, um, you know, make quicker decisions, do all of this stuff. Kansas is going to put themselves in a really good situation because that, that's what they've done. Like they did it against Iowa State. That's when Kobe Bryant got his, you know, one and a half interceptions. The, the second one being called incomplete, even though he definitely held on to it. Um, <laughs> but like, they, they, you know, they, they pressured Deckers, they made him make a quick decision, and he made the wrong one. And, and Kansas has done that time and time again to every single quarterback that they've played so far this year. So the real question I think is going to be, can they speed Max Duggan up? Can they make him make a mistake? Um, this is a defense that gives up a ton of yards, but they are very opportunistic in creating opportunities for the opponent to make a mistake and then pouncing on them when they do. So it'll be interesting to see how many of those are going to be the, you know, the other big question for me is just, is Kansas's offense going to bounce back? You could tell that they were just off. It wasn't a case of Iowa State, you know, like Iowa State did some weird things to confuse them, but they have like a really weird front that nobody else uses in the in the Big 12. So I'm not necessarily so worried about that. You could just tell that that Daniels was a little bit off on his timing with the receivers. You know, there was just a bunch of stuff happening that just made them off. And luckily, the defense was able to step up. But you know, I think this is a game we have yet to see Kansas blow out a team other than Tennessee Tech, which that's a completely different story. But like, I think that they have one good blowout them in them for this year. I just don't know where it's going to come. It's probably going to come later in the season when they've finally settled into stuff. But um, you know, I you you could also point me to any particular game and say, hey, that's the game that Kansas wins by thirty. And I would say, I mean, okay, maybe. Like, I don't necessarily see it, but I I would believe you that it happens at some point. So. Looking at this game, though, what do you think, like, how would you predict the outcome of this game? I, I mean, it's really tough. Um, I, I don't really want to pick against TCU, but also it was really effective for me last week. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of leaning that direction, right? Um, I mean, I think I think this is going to come down. I think it's going to be what I'm hoping for. It's just a really well-played team between two really good game between two really good teams um, that comes down to the fourth quarter. And, and I think Kansas, I'm going to give them the field goal advantage at home with game day, with the crowd, with all of the fire there. Um, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Kansas 41, 38. And I think it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last is, and, and gets an opportunity to score. And, and if that's the way that it goes, like I'll be disappointed, obviously, but as long as TCU continues to play well on both sides of the ball, um, I give me hope for going forward to what's a really tough stretch for the frogs too. Yeah. I'm, I'm just operating on the assumption that, you know, this is just a preview of the big 12 championship game. That's going to be coming at the end, you know, the end of the year. So, um, Regardless of who wins, you know, the fact that we'll get to play each other again in December will be just fine with me. Ah, so be yeah. good. All right, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me. Where where can everybody find your work online? Uh, you can find me at frogstoday.com or at thecoachmelissa on Twitter. Before we get out of here for the night, just wanted to run through all of the fantastic picks that you can get from our sponsor here on the podcast, Prize Picks. PrizePicks.com, they are the easy legal way to play daily fantasy. You pick anywhere from two to five players and get an over or under on their different projections for the different stats they have. You can win up to 10 times your entry. Uh, they have a ton of different stats you can pick from, rushing yards, passing yards, receiving yards. Um, you know, they 
also have more than just college football. They have NFL football, uh, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and a whole bunch more. Uh, you know, they have the award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app that's both on both the App Store and Google Play. And look, I mean, they've got a ton of different stuff that you can do out there. I am looking at it every single week. I'm loving it. I'm loving making the picks that we have here on the podcast for it. And right now, if you go over to pricepicks.com, use promo code CHALK12, you can get an instant 100% deposit match up to your first $100. So you just head on over there, use that promo code CHALK12. You know, deposit a hundred bucks and you get a hundred bucks. If you deposit more than a hundred bucks, then they'll give you a hundred. Um, and anything below that, you'll get exactly what you deposit in there. So, uh, you don't have to do a whole bunch. Like you can deposit as low as, you know, I've seen some people do five or 10 bucks. So you can go and get started and have a lot of fun doing this with a very, very small amount of money. And of course, you know, you can get all these entries and potentially win up to 10 times the amount that you use on any particular play. So let's jump over though, uh, before, uh, well, take a look at the different props that we have out there or the different uh, over-unders we have for the different players. Unfortunately, they don't have touchdowns for any of these players. So um, as much as I would love to be able to make some predictions on those touchdown numbers, we're not able to do it. But for Jalen Daniels, uh, in terms of passing, they have 209.5 yards and 16.5 completions. And for Max Duggan, they have 299.5 yards and 22.5 completions. I honestly... I, I think those numbers are set pretty well. I do think that Jalen Daniels is going to have to have a pretty good passing game. I also think just looking at what TCU does, um, that they have some openings there, places where Kansas can potentially find some soft holes and Jalen Daniels can get some big plays. He is usually pretty good for at least four or five large throws every single game. And so, you know, looking at basically 210 yards to get it, I think that this game is going to have to be fairly similar to what Duke does or to, to, to what they did against Duke. And so I would go over on the yards. I'd probably go under on the completions, though. I don't I don't think that Daniels is going to get a ton of completions because they're going to be big chunks, and then they're going to have a lot of different runs. So um, if, if I was picking those, I would go over yards, under completions on Daniels. As for Duggan, I'd probably go the opposite way. I think he's going to get a lot of small passes. Kansas is going to be ready for the big, gigantic chunk plays. That They'll get a few of those chunk plays. But for the most part, Duggan is probably going to have to do something fairly similar um, you know, to what Iowa State had to do um, and just do it better, where they'll have to dink and dunk down the field, you know, get a lot of short completions. You know, the holes that they're going to find are probably going to be more in the linebacker level. So probably five or seven yards down the field, um, not the huge, you know, 60 yard chunk plays that they were getting against Oklahoma. I think this Kansas defense is a lot better than Oklahoma's, um, which is saying something, you know, considering how how poorly rated Kansas defense has been at times. And so I do think that Kansas, though, will keep him under the 299.5 yards, um, but he will get more than 22.5 completions because there'll be a lot of short passes. In terms of rushing, Jalen Daniels is at 52.5 yards for rushing. Devin Neal is at 67.5. And, and Kendra Miller for TCU is at 94.5. I actually think all three of those players will hit the over. Um, Kendrick Miller, I don't know he'll go over by that much, but Kansas usually gives up one pretty good runner, and they are much more talented running than Iowa State was. Um, and so I do think that Kendrick Miller is probably going to be a guy that hits the over on that. Devin Neal and Jalen Daniels, I think both of them are going to hit the over pretty pretty easily here. Um, if anybody doesn't hit that over, it's probably going to be Miller, and that's just going to be because Duggan's going to get some runs, and they're going to have to find some other guys because Kansas will key in on Miller. Um, I still think that they'll all hit the over, though. Uh, in terms of passing, the the two different players they have here, or, or reception yards, I mean, is Luke Grimm with 44.5 yards and also Quentin Johnson of TCU with 44.5 yards. Um 
Grimm, I think, is probably going to go over. He has established himself as one of the main targets for Jalen Daniels. He is one of his main safety valves. Um, and so I do think that Grimm is probably going to get six or seven different catches here um, with an opportunity to get over those. The only time thing I'd be worried about is if they have to do a lot of you know throws in the flats and TCU speed is able to get them out there. Um, but I think it's a fairly safe bet that if you did want to pick a side on this, you should probably go over for Luke Grimm. And then Quentin Johnson, you know, Duggan is going to have at least one receiver that's going to catch some big passes. You know, he'll, he's probably good for at least two or three big pop plays on here. Um, I think a guy like Quentin Johnson could potentially get that on one play. Um, it's hard for me to think that they are going to keep him under that one. So I would probably go over on that one. I do expect this to be a huge shootout. I expect a lot of stuff back and forth for these two different teams. So I would pick the over on pretty much everything here. I think the only thing I went under on was Jalen Daniels, 16.5 completions and Max Duggan, 299.5 yards. I do think that they'll keep him under 300. So, um, but yeah, so again, make sure you head on over to prizepicks.com and use that promo code chalk 12 and you'll get a one up to $100 instant deposit match on that first deposit that you make. Awesome. So that is going to do it for us today. Melissa, again, thank you so much for joining me and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcasts. You can subscribe. Get every episode. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you're not able to do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network. You know, it's a bunch of different podcasts. I think we're up to 12 podcasts now actually covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including the ones that are still that are will be coming in next year. If you go over to 1012 Podcast, I'm sorry, 1012network.com, you can get links to all the great shows that we have. And of course, that is partnering with Sports Drink, the absolutely fantastic network um, of, of other podcasts they have there. So um, if uh, make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, Prize Picks. Use promo code CHOP12. You can get some fantastic deals with both of them. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.